I realized that the tools were here to bring a new proof of location. And that's what really blew my mind, and that's when we joined Horses and Founded Platinum. Hi, my name is Kirsten Jowett. I am a proof of location specialist, and I'm your host for Lay of the Land. Today is the second part of a two-part series with the founders of Platin, Dr. Lionel Wolberger and Alone Mason. Platin is a combination of location data and a lightweight and secure proof-of-location protocol to make this possible. Platin allows anyone to geolocate an asset, such as cryptocurrencies or documents, images, that sort of thing, anywhere on the map, anywhere in the world, in real time. This is made possible through open, privacy-preserving, zero-knowledge proofs developed as part of the Platin Protocol. We ended the last episode with Dr. Wolberger asking me if I could come up with an example of zero-knowledge proofs. Just to give you a little bit more context, we're talking about the book and game, Where's Wally? You know the one where the guy's got a red and white striped hat and some glasses and you're trying to find him in a crowd? So imagine we're sitting looking at this book. That's where we left off and where we're picking up the conversation again. Before we jump back in, I just wanted to quickly mention that there are a few technical difficulties with this interview. We were recording it overseas across the internet and one of my guests was in the car. The sound quality is a bit inconsistent and it might be difficult to hear at times, but please stick with it. My guests are very interesting. Let's jump back in there. We're sitting together, the book's in front of us. I take now something that I prepared, a big piece of foam core or cardboard that's much bigger than the book. And I put the book under it, so you don't know where the book is located, right? Because it's much bigger than the book. And I slide the book over to a cutout that I've already made that's exactly the shape of Waldo. And that's what I show you. So now you're looking at this big white cardboard, and you're seeing Waldo. You see him. And you know right in front of you I put the book under there, so I couldn't swap it, I couldn't change it. I put the book under there, and I'm showing you Waldo. I have now proved to you, I know where Waldo is. But when I remove this huge piece of cardboard, you still have no idea where he is on the page. I get it, yes. So, so it turns out, by the way, I was told this by a mathematician, because we were really struggling to explain these things. Um, and he said it's actually a really good explanation, because it's mathematically even comparable if the piece of cardboard is exactly twice as big as the book. Oh, okay. So basically that gives an insight into what people mean when they say zero knowledge. And there's a subset of zero knowledge which is called a range proof. So we, we know already we have a range of numbers. And location is a range. You know, you'll be somewhere within this range of locations. You'll be somewhere in Melbourne, Australia. You'll be somewhere in California. We can set up all kinds of arcane and beautiful mathematics so that we can present to you a statement, what we call a commitment. And you can test the commitment. And the commitment would say, I am in Melbourne, or I am in Australia, but it does not reveal where I am. And is that what you do with your protocol? Do you reveal that the person is where they say they are, but it doesn't reveal to the world where they are? That is one thing we can do with the protocol. Being a protocol, it's quite flexible. Sure. Um, but yes, that is one, uh, and that is the first 
capability that we're sharing with the world. Right. We think so. <laughs> now, <and> you, <laughs> you touched earlier on um, some wallets that you're using. I understand that you're you're very aware that to get adoption of this new kind of technology, it needs to be very simple and easy to use, and that's something that I think you explain very well in your uh, videos, um, that people can just use it quite easily and interact it, almost touch it. Not quite, but almost touch it. Right, and right. so you make it quite simple. Oh, and that's a big hurdle for a lot of cryptocurrency projects and blockchain projects is is pretty much just techno nerds and cypherpunks can use it. So if you're going to use a, a hot wallet, can I ask you, are all the assets that you will be acquiring using Platinum Protocol? Because I, I, as I understand it, you'll be able to use coins that are, for example, from the Olympics or from a store, from Starbucks or, or a clothing store, retail store. You can use any kind of cryptocurrency. Is that right? Are you with me? Is yeah. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I actually. You, sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. Alone, are, are you still hearing us? I know you're in your car, um, but uh, Kirsten, I know from experience you're getting to a subject so close to Alone's. Um, I'm still here. I'm still passion. Here. So I might want to open the door there and just. Alone, do you want to speak a little okay? bit about? Yeah, we hear you fine. You want to speak a little bit about how you know we can really associate a claim with any digital asset and how we work with. Um, and enable the simplification what, what was so difficult in the past uh, with cryptocurrencies? Well, the bottom line is we're in the process of uh, adding or creating the ability to add location data to any type of digital asset. So it could be any cryptocurrency uh, or any PKI-backed asset, um, a document, an image, uh, or really any digital asset. And that allows you basically to airdrop it on any location on the map. So uh, this could be a custom branded token that's created by Starbucks or the Olympic uh, Committee for a specific event, um, or uh, a document that you want to make sure that you can only access or open if you're at a specific location, at your office, or um, if it's a secret document that you can, you know, that has some sensitivity to who can who can see it and where they can see it, then you can create that kind of logic into a digital asset. So um, the the short answer is that's really our, our vision is to support any digital asset. And we're starting with cryptocurrencies today. Are you trying to build a blockchain application, but you're surrounded by self-proclaimed ICO advisors and middlemen? Flex Dapps are a Melbourne-based dapp development studio. They work with highly regarded clients like the Australian Red Cross and RMIT University. They're technology agnostic and always seek the best solution to meaningful problems. Visit flexdaps.com, F-L-E-X-D-A-P-P-S.com for awesome blockchain developers. You can also email hello at flexdaps.com, H-E-L-L-O at F-L-E-X-D-A-P-P-S.com to get in touch. So when a customer, I don't know, a client, I'm not sure what you call them, when someone who's using your an app that is using the information from your protocol. If they acquire a lot of different assets, are they kept in a hot wallet on their phone? 
So the the actual wallet comes down to how you're storing your keys. And uh, you, you've used the word hot wallet, and maybe you want to explain for your listeners, or maybe they already know a hot wallet is a, a wallet that uh, can um, access its cryptographic keys. A cold wallet is a wallet where the keys are on paper and need to be entered uh, to be used. So uh, I would answer your question simply that part of the usability challenge is seeing the coin, claiming the coin, and simplifying everything around that. So um, that's what we're addressing first. Another layer of the usability challenge is key management. I have keys. How do I protect them? And here again, um, we might... Uh, lean on uh, other wallets because many wallets are now trying to make that much simpler for people. So in conclusion, what, what, I, what I think I'm trying to highlight is that it's a layered architecture and the part that you're calling out right now for my brain is the layer that's called key management. And uh, Platin certainly wants the simplest, most robust key management. Uh, I've sat in endless discussions around key management. Key management, do you have custodial issues, fiduciary issues? You want to know what happens in legacy? You know, um, and because crypto is so new and the digital world is so new, I mean, think about it. Even Facebook still struggles to figure out what to do when somebody passes away or somebody um, loses consciousness. And, and these are things that have been worked out in the physical world or the world of paper because of centuries of experience. It takes centuries of experience because people live about a century. You know, <laughs> you have to have a system that's like a few centuries old. Figure out what do you do when people die? What do you do when families have disagreements? You know, so uh, in crypto, key management is a very important issue. Um, it's not a core competency in, in Platinum. It's just that we will integrate with the finest uh, and easiest to use uh, key management uh, layer that we approve of, and we are sensitive to it. Uh, part of my work on the OASIS committee uh, when I did uh, identity on the blockchain was endless discussions about um, of, uh, of uh, what, what's called... What's it called when you adopt someone? You get uh, custodial, not custodial. Um, I forget the technique. Guardianship, exactly. So, um, so all these things are being developed uh, in the in the community. We will integrate in the one that we just think is the most secure and easiest to use. And that's why we've started with the uh, Binance wallet, uh, because we find of all the wallets today, it's the one with the biggest community, the most secure, and still quite easy to use. It uses the 12-words approach. Perfect. Yes, and that's quite standard right now. Okay. Yeah, it seems to be working pretty well. And you mentioned before signals. Can, can you talk to us a little bit about who's incentivized to harvest signals, how they're incentivized, and do you pay for your signal to be harvested? Do individuals pay for their signal to be harvested? So, again, I, I'm just looking for, because I, I feel like I'm talking a lot. Alone loves to talk about signal harvesting, so I'm going to leave the door open for him for a minute, see if he wants to take that one. He might be in a Yeah, place. I need a couple minutes just to complete something here, so why don't you uh, take a shot at that? Sure. Signal harvesting uh, is, if I may say, a beautiful way of referring to two operations. One is uh, what was known beforehand as war driving or uh, community curation of 
um, local signals. So there are communities already that collect, you know, what are the Wi-Fi hotspots in my area, what are the cell towers in my area. And it's proven that this is uh, um, a, a viable um, activity for a community. And so part of signal harvesting is just uh, people in the community it's like you've seen the invisible. You know, in Harry Potter, there was this invisibility cloak. Uh, so this is the opposite. It's like we tear off the invisibility cloak. And when you start doing signal harvesting, you open your smartphone, and it, it sees things that you cannot see with your human eye. It sees the cell towers that are nearby. It sees the Wi-Fi hotspots, Bluetooth beacons. And this uh, environment is going to become richer and richer as um, as we continue to... Uh, deploy uh, these technologies into the built environment. The other aspect of signal harvesting is mining. It's a form of mining. You see, it actually takes effort to harvest signals. You have to turn on your phone, you have to use some battery, you have to use your uh, the sensors in your phone. And so this is a core plan insight that we can use the effort involved in signal harvesting to mine the cryptocurrency. So uh, we combine this known activity, not to everybody, but uh, to some communities. We then bring it to more to the general world that you can turn on your phone, you can collect signals that you see, and you can get rewarded for that as a kind of mining, a kind of uh, effort that you've done, which you're rewarded by earning cryptocurrency. By doing this, we end up creating a community-curated map of the world, with a very uh, possible high degree of security because besides harvesting signals of cell towers and Wi-Fi points, you can also harvest signals that come from neighbors. So, for example, uh, if we're both running Platin, let's say we need to do a very secure uh, proof of location. So this is important, by the way, that you can go in levels or gradations of security depending on how much security you need. That's a very important uh, aspect of security thinking where um, you need to match the security to the value of the asset and the value of the claim that you're making. Uh, this subtle um, change in how you think about security is important because people generally naively think, oh, security, I'll buy a lock and now I'm secure. It's like they think of security as on or off. But as you spend time engaging and getting trained um, in security, then you'll, one of the first things I hope you'll be taught is that security is an endless race. You've never achieved a secure state. What you can only do is make an attack more costly than the effort uh, is worth it. In other words, the attack is more costly than the value of the target. So um, if I wanted a really secure claim, let's say I'm picking up a Bitcoin, which is worth thousands of dollars, and that Bitcoin is uh, in your, your house, Kirsten, let's say we uh, look for a signal harvested or a witness um, that you have really been seen near your house. Now, we would have the signals that you've harvested, we would have the signals that everyone harvested in Melbourne, and maybe... Uh, I'm participating in this, and I decide to see if I can witness you. So my phone says, can I witness Kirsten's uh, node somehow? And we do a, a mutual witnessing, and it turns out that we're quite far apart, which would bolster the claim that you're in Melbourne and I'm in Tel Aviv. So uh, what I try to do is show you two aspects of signal harvesting. One, that 
uh, you can collect, curate, and share signals that you see in your area. And the other is that by the effort of doing that, you are incentivized and rewarded in cryptocurrency. Fantastic. That's good. That's very helpful. And Thank you, you. You also talked about, you know, you talked about security a little bit there. Can you expand more on the way Platin is secured, the kind of pillars that you spoke about? Yes. So, um, can you speak about the Can you speak about the security of Platin? Sure. So as I just hinted, uh, the that security isn't just an on-off. You don't just buy a lock. Uh, I, an image that always stayed with me when I studied cryptography with Adi Shamir. By the way, Professor Adi Shamir is a name I think most people haven't heard of, but he invented the uh, cryptography that we today call public and private key cryptography. He discovered it in the 70s. And uh, I got to study with him, and he, he told a nice story that I thought was very evocative. I think that's why he uses it. He would say near the beginning of the course, if you bought a big, beautiful house, um, and I'm your security company. I'm going to secure you, and I bring you this metal. cannot be cut by any known torch. Even a nuclear bomb will not uh, be able to penetrate this metal. And you say, wow, that's very secure. And then I build, I bring you a pillar of this metal, and I put it in front of your front door. Have I secured your house? No. I have not, right? Because you can come through the window. <laughs> With this story, uh, uh, Professor Shamir uh, was trying to get across that security is an endless, endless race. Endless. Whatever system you put in, your attackers will be looking for the way around it. Um, in fact, we th there's another story that they tell in security of the uh, two uh, Men who are out hunting a bear and they, they shoot somehow, they enrage the bear and they drop their guns and they start to run. And they, they're running and the one guy says to the other, how can we run? We can't run faster than the bear. And the other guy says, I don't have to run faster than the bear. I just have to run faster than you. <laughs> what, what that story, <laughs> what that story illustrates in security thinking is that you, you need to be very clear about all the factors and all the parameters. Your system has to be secure enough so that it's not worth attacking. And in, in my previous work in Cisco Secure Video, we, may, we achieved that. We made our system so unhackable that they just went and attacked our competitors' systems. Which so you're is running what faster. We, we were running faster than them. That's right. <laughs> so... Um, as we uh, had the privilege, really, to to lead the plant community and define the security uh, architecture, we, um, near the beginning, fell upon these three, what we call the three pillars, and what they really are, three independent security uh, attestations. And because they're independent, they, um, they increase by a tremendous level the overall security possible in the system. And I hope you're keeping in mind the spirit of security isn't an achievement. It's, a, it's a, always a process. So the first pillar is sensor fusion. 
We talked so much about sensors in this podcast, so let's linger on it for another minute, and you'll always hear about sensors in the proof of location space, because a sensor is a signal that you detect, and then that, that signal is related to a location, you know where you are, because you're detecting the signal. So sensor fusion is the first pillar. It's the most obvious. It's what's obvious to everyone. You say location to the average person, and they'll say, oh, GPS, if, if they even you know think about it that way. And that's a form of a sensor. GPS means you are sensing where are there satellites above me. Uh, and there are many other signals, though, that you can sense. You can sense, is there a Wi-Fi near me? Is there a cell tower near me? Is there a Bluetooth beacon near me? And we even build in that we can sense sound. I mentioned that before, that um, sound or ultrasound is a, a very uh, secure sense, sensing that you can do. All of that is sensor fusion. We fuse information from your sensors to get an accurate picture of where you're located. But we don't stop there. The next vector, which is unrelated, and it strengthens the overall security by a factor of a 1,000, is your behavior over time. Okay, so you're reporting to me all these sensors that you're sensing, and according to the best information that I have, those sensors correlate with being located in Melbourne. But could you give me a commitment to your behavior last week? Oh, last week all your sensors were in the Ukraine. Can you give me a commitment to your behavior uh, one minute ago? Hmm, also Ukraine. Now something's fishy. Yeah. See? So behavior over time is the second pillar, and you see how it works independently of the first and greatly strengthens our over security. But we don't stop there. We then add the third pillar, which, as I mentioned at the beginning, is the one that's most intimately related with blockchain itself and the decentralized revolution. It's peer-to-peer -peer witnessing. It's the ability to, to have the system work in a micro-payment cryptocurrency incentivized mutual witnessing algorithm. And this is where, by the way, we hooked up near the beginning with um, with HK University, because there was a researcher there who had uh, released a protocol for peer-to-peer -peer blockchain. Uh, and uh, we worked with um, world's leading experts in opportunistic networking. So the third pillar is the ability of the system to mutually witness for peers to witness and sign and vouch for each other. By pulling in these three pillars, we can achieve the level of security required as per the value of the claim. So if it's a low value claim, then a sense of fusion is enough. If it's a very high value claim, then we would pull on all three pillars. And that's great. I just have a few more questions, just four more questions. Can you kindly please explain to us the differences between Platinum and other location protocols that are in development now? In the proof of location space, there's uh, one player that came out early and saying that they would uh, rely on a distribution of a new radio uh, network based on LoRa which is a um, uh, deregulated uh, radio beacon that you can um, release without a license. And they talked about a timing synchronization between them, basically like deploying a substitute for GPS. Um, they also, uh, one community is doing uh, cur curated points of interest, so they're 
encouraging uh, people to uh, declare a stake in a point of interest and actually put up a stake which increases their trust, uh, you know, because they have something to lose. Um, and uh, engaging the community around that and uh, other... I'm just going to make a short list and then give you kind of differentiators. Another player that we're aware of uh, had already deployed uh, many uh, low-energy Bluetooth beacons, kind of like Find My Keychain technology, and they're now uh, uh, releasing a kind of uh, architecture where they're going to um, somehow read where all these low-energy Bluetooth beacons are located and based on that, create uh, a kind of map where you could locate yourself in relationship to those uh, low-energy Bluetooth beacons. And there's an, another competitor which really was a data analytics company, um, and they talk a lot about uh, location and proof of location. So that's a quick uh, brain dump of some of the activity that I see in this space. So first of all, we're very happy that there's a dynamic space with a lot of players, that shows that it's a, a, a space where there's real value. The various estimates of the value in geospatial in general and location-based services and location-based marketing always range from half a billion dollars to multiple hundreds of billions of dollars. So it's a, it, um, a space where there's a tremendous amount of uh, um, commercial opportunity. Um, and most people don't realize it. But I think what brings it home is if you think about it, commerce is location. When you go to buy an apple, you go to the store to buy one, and it came from a tree. Uh, commerce, in the end, relies on the real world, and the real world works on location. So it's not surprising that there's so much commercial value. So uh, now the things that I've indicated awareness of in this space, I'll now kind of position Platinum in relationship to them. So... Um, working my way backwards, the ones that are doing general data analytics. So geospatial analytics will remain a very dynamic field. We, uh, it, it is just huge value in doing analytics. Where Platinum would fit in is we would be providing data to these kinds of analytic overall uh, analysis marketplaces through a privacy-preserving data credential. And um, we would like to see better data provenance. And, in fact, this whole... In proof of location, analytics is a kind of corner. It's an important aspect of proof of location, but it's not the proof of location itself. So I see that as a, a secondary stage. It's the analytics stage. The, uh, the low-energy Bluetooth beacons, uh, just the most important thing to stress is that they are impossible to secure by themselves. Uh, and I exaggerated because nothing's impossible, but certainly the way they are now, it's... Um, replay and spoofing are all just extremely inexpensive and easy to do. So um, Bluetooth, in our mind, has to be only a component of a proof of location. It cannot be the bedrock of it. And anyone that claims otherwise is just, um, we feel uh, it would be very easy to mount an attack based on spoofing or replay. Then um, the curation of points of interest is really interesting. I told you that we really want to support communities of signal harvesting. So points of interest is like a aspect of that. Uh, we don't feel it's very 
scalable because the world is composed of trillions of points of interest, and we don't really understand how you'd end up with more than just certain urban or high attention points of interest. But having points of interest curated by some community would be wonderful for Platin because we would just rely on their uh, security for for hours. That's a key insight. Platin, uh, we said from day one, we all these competitor activities in bringing out Bluetooth beacons or um, LoRa radios or whatever they want to bring out, we can just use that because we are hardware independent and we work on uh, security and sensor algorithms. So we welcome it and uh, we can use whatever they add to the digital landscape to do uh, Platin's magic. That's great. So you can stand on each other's shoulders and pull each other up. Yeah. <laughs> when I moved to New York, uh, I the first time I passed, I was like, "What?" There was, you know, there are districts, and there's a flower district, which I would never think there was one until I passed it. There were all these stores selling flowers on the same street, and I was a young man. I said, "Why, you know, why would they want to be together? They're competing." And that's when, uh, that's when I suddenly realized you need to create a market. You're all better off if you're seen and known and, like you said, pulling on each other's shoulders and slowly raising up these capabilities together. I hope so. I hope that I can contribute to that community by pulling everyone together in this podcast series. I think that's really exciting, Kirsten. I think your questions are uh, really good. They, they help uh, really uh, engage with the important issues in this space. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Dr. Wahlberger. Can I ask you... Just moving on to the future now, what are what are you most excited about in the next 12 months for Platinum? Um, I'll just give it an opportunity for a loan. If he's in a place where he can talk, he could jump in, and if not, I'll continue. So for the next year, um, I'm really excited about getting uh, signal harvesting and the Platinum Pocket application into the hands of the community. Uh, we hope that we're going to start seeing a beta version of that um, for December, January of this year. So really excited about that. Uh, my long, more long-term excitement is the fulfillment of the vision of uh, real secure proof of application that's democratized and not centralized uh, as we see today by GAFA, Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Apple. Really give location capabilities back to the individuals and uh, have them control exactly how they want to share, reveal, and use their personal location data. Uh, and, of course, uh, connected to that very intimately is um, the public uh, mass adopting cryptocurrencies. And we hope that location is going to be a part of every cryptocurrency in the future powered by the Platinum Protocol. So that's our long-term vision and what I'm extremely excited about. And we're building it. So Yeah, that sounds so really exciting. Yeah, great that you're in it. And do you have a... This is the last formal question. Do you have a vision of how you think the proof of location industry might look in the next two to five years? So as, as Lionel mentioned uh, just a couple minutes ago, um, we're actually lucky that there are other players in the market because, first of all, a testament that you know these aren't just players copying each other, but each one bringing their own vision uh, and their own approach to how they view proof of location being done. And it also also shows that it's a market that really is ripe for disruption and something is about to change dramatically in the way 
uh, location influences our lives and, and the way we control our own location data. So we think that uh, we're going to see continued innovation over the, the upcoming year. We're going to see uh, possibly new approaches and new technologies. And from a more practical point of view, we're going to see some real-world use cases start happening, whether we're talking about crypto airdrop or geographical uh, airdrops of, of assets for humanitarian purposes. I keep on having this vision in my in my brain where you're going to open up CNN uh, in a year from now, and you're going to see the anchor talking about how people are picking up cryptocurrencies virtually using augmented reality from the streets after, you know, a certain area was uh, stricken by disaster or, you know, there's some political uh, upheaval and, and donations are falling on the map for people to interact with. So we really believe that we're going to start seeing some practical applications in the world. Great. Thank you. Is there any more information that you'd like to pass on to the listeners that we didn't touch upon today? I, I would just, uh, I like your last question is future looking, and I'll dwell a little on what Alone just ended with, and it brings us back even to the way you thought in such vivid pictures about the hedgerow and Waldo. So just picture that, that uh, you're watching the the news or, or uh, getting a report, and they're saying, you know, this uh, tornado swept through town, and now people are picking up money in the streets and using it to buy um, ways to repair and uh, and help them. And the money is dropped on the streets by people around the world. I mean, it's cr- it's crazy. It's like it sounds like science fiction, but uh, we already have this working uh, internally. So when you look at the future, we're looking at a world that is disrupted more and more by artificial intelligence, machine learning. Uh, in our corner of the woods, uh, we think that the innovations will come from the consensus models around community uh, proofs of location, around the positioning and data acquisition, you know, how the technologies that do the positioning and proximity. We'll see continual uh, innovation in the radios that are in our phones, the radios that are in the environment. Those radios will be able to actually measure proximity better and better as the years go by. The analysis and modeling, as I pointed out before, some people may be just interested in just the bulk, you know, where are millions of people, how one time do people wake up, when do they go to sleep, where are their disease outbreaks. The whole layer of analysis and modeling will continue to uh, explode. And uh, somewhere near the core, just software and application development, which is where we hang out. We make the protocols, and we, we love being with developers. We love playing with new ideas. And we think that Platin's uh, algorithms, which we call PALS, will be really fun. And people will be making uh, software built on Platin that we can't even imagine today. Every time we present on Platin, somebody comes up with a new one. And one that really had us laughing, I think he was an Aussie guy. He talked about a pub crawl. He wanted uh, <laughs> Platin to re- give him a discount on the fifth pub <laughs> to four pubs. And uh, so that's an example of uh, how just geospatial, just with this new software and proof of location can become just fun in, kinds, in ways that we can't even predict. Wonderful. Thank you, Alone and Dr. Wilberger. Just finally, what is the best way for listeners to get in touch with you and to follow your work? So, uh, first of all, please visit our website at platin.io. Uh, we also encourage all the listeners to uh, be a part of the conversation and share your questions and thoughts with us. And the best way of doing that is connecting to our Telegram channel at platin.io slash T. 
that will connect you directly to our Telegram. And please follow us on Twitter. Uh, the shortcut link to that is platin.io slash w. And we have almost daily new articles being published on proof of location subjects on our medium. You can get to by going to platin.io slash m. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kirsten. Really great conversation. Thank you very, very much. We appreciate it. We look forward to uh, the next round. Thanks, Bye guys. Bye. 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 This podcast is not financial advice. You should consider seeking independent legal, financial, taxation, and other advice to check how this podcast relates to your unique circumstances. The makers of this podcast are not liable for any loss caused, whether due to negligence or otherwise arising from the use of or reliance on the information provided directly or indirectly in this podcast. The mention of any company, currency, exchange, or person is not an endorsement of that entity. See you next time on Lay of the Land.